I'm lost in the woods. Like, I actually lost. Actually lost? No, I never actually got lost in the woods. I got lost in West Virginia, but we were in a car. That makes sense. You got lost in the woods in a car. Yeah. <laughs> so we were coming back from a show, and our my friend's GPS. It was just me and him. It like took us off the highway. Yeah. And like we were like, oh, okay, maybe it's gonna take us down some fucking random like back road just to get past traffic or whatever. Like West Virginia does. Yeah. So we're following it, and all of a sudden, like, you know, regular paved road starts turning into gravel road. We're like, all right, that's a little weird. And, like, we're going, like, up hills, like, kind of, like, into the woods. Like, it's one of those, like, smaller roads where, like, if you meet a car coming head on, it's going to be hard for, like, you to pass each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, like, we, we start getting further on, and, like, we start getting to, like, this area where we start seeing, like, people, like, with their, like, you know, trailer homes and all this shit. There was, like, a truck that, like, nature had, like, taken over. Ah, the good shit. Yeah. Uh, And then all of a sudden, dirt road, or no, no, because it went from paved to gravel, and then all of a sudden turned to dirt road. Ooh. Yeah, and we're like, okay, well, this is fucking weird. And the way the the road was, like, so tight that we couldn't, like, turn around, so we're like, well, I guess we're stuck. Country road. Pretty much, yeah. Take me home. All of a sudden, it turned to just, like, a grass road. Jesus Christ. Like a grass path. Yeah, that's when we were like, oh, this is not good. Um, <laughs> and then. I'm afraid to hear what's next. It winds up leading to, to. Oblivion. Leads to this like random house in the middle of the fucking woods. Mm. There's, so there's like a house over here on the right. Like we stopped before we like passed the house. Mm-hmm. On my right, like right outside the window was a fucking like barn. Okay. And then there was like a garage across the street. It looked like the road went past, and me and my buddies were, were like, well, we're not going to go past this house, because <laughs> in my head, I'm like, this is totally Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, but it sounds like you drove onto a movie West, set. And, but in West Virginia, like, it was one of those days where I'm like, I might die tonight. Because, like, in my head, I just kept imagining, like, somebody busting through the garage or the barn door that's on my right, like, with a fucking chainsaw or with some fucking crazy <laughs> mask. I was like, I'm going to fucking die. That reminds me of uh, National Lampoons when they're on their vacation. <laughs> Roll them up. Roll them up. Whichever <laughs> yeah. vacation that was. Yeah. So that was the uh, time I got lost in the woods in West Virginia. And the thing that made it even creepier is, like, when we passed, like, the people's, like, trailers, there was one point... There was, like, three people just, like, standing on their porch that, like, just turned and stared at us. Like, we weren't supposed to be there. They they have the one of those people in the movies that's, like, turn back now. Like, they have a sign that says turn back now. Right. And the only thing that was going through my mind, other than, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. was fucking wrong turn. Yep. Because, <laughs> set West Virginia. Oh, how many wrong turns are there? Aren't there, like, one, two, three, four, five, six? I think the last one that came out was six. Yeah. That is uh, six too many. Uh, Me personally. The first one's fun. It's got some fun kills. It's a good, like, one of those, like, movies that played on sci-fi. Oh, Jesus Christ. I remember me and my parents, uh, well, mainly my dad, we would, like, every Saturday night at 9 was, like, a sci-fi original. Whether it's, like, Sharktopus fucking (laughs) versus Alligator Man or whatever it may be. Five-headed shark attack. Yep, we would just, uh, like, Mystery Science Theater 3000, that stuff. Yeah, I mean... God, it was so fun. Piranha Piranha was one of them, like, Mega Piranha, maybe? Oh, yeah. Dude, I remember this guy. I forget forget what character it is, but it's like... um, Or I forget the actor that played it, but it's kind of like 
the actor Lorenzo Lamas, for example. You know who that is? I heard that name. The name sounds familiar. Once you dive a little bit into Lorenzo Lamas, you'll realize that whenever you see his name, you know the movie's bad. Oh, he only okay. plays in those movies. Okay. Which, depending on who you are, if you're me, that excites you. And you're like, man, I can't wait to see some horrible acting. So turn that on. It's not Lorenzo Lamas, but I forget the guy that's in like Mega Piran or so, but there's a scene where he like runs towards a beach or something or like a canal and like there's people behind him. And they're like, oh no, look. And then it goes to this horrible green screen, green screen and he's right in the middle of it. And these gigantic <laughs> mega piranhas, so just literally big piranhas, are jumping out of the water. So it looks like they're like the Hulk jumping miles out of the water and then they end up next to him on this green screen and he's like fist fighting them. And then like he falls down and he like he kicks them and like, when they would fly off, like say he kicked it with a super, no, Superman punch, it would fly again miles away and then just explode. Just literally explode. Huh. All right. Great movie. I take that back. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you're going to take that one to the grave? I need to make sure that's Mega Piranha. Um, the only good Piranha movie was Piranha 3D. Well, uh, the original Piranha was fun, but um, Piranha 3D has some of the best gore effects. Like if you want to watch a movie just for like really solid like gore and like insane kills the scene where like the piranhas finally like attack the beach i fucking gnarly i've never seen that movie and let me just say it is mega piranha and it's actually classified as a comedy film that's well i mean it's probably like trying to eat sharknado (laughs) it's an hour and a half and it's a on imdb a 2.4 out of 10 all right i'm looking this up Ooh, yeah that cover art's fucking mm. (laughs) well what (laughs) What the fuck? So this is the uh, the second picture that pops up. I can't remember that, but I bet it's in there. Yeah, I just hmm. well, all right. Um, anyway, <laughs> back to being talk talking about being lost in the woods. One of the greatest signs or uh, lines from this movie is it wasn't terrorist; it was a giant piranha. <laughs> Ah, fucking Christ. Um, so God, I can't imagine the like cricket chirping noises and like the soft sounds of like coffee mugs hitting the desk. Like what the hell did he just say? (laughs) Yeah. Just imagine being an investor that put money into that film. You know, I'm not going to imagine that. I'd rather be imagining (laughs) that I'm lost in the woods, which if I was lost in the woods, I don't know what I would do. Hell, I might try to befriend a wolf because only two outcomes would happen. Uh, either I am eaten or I am almost eaten, but I am bitten, and now I'm a werewolf. And now I can just live in the woods. Ooh. I'll never have to go back to society. Never have to talk to another human being. I like it. I like that idea. Yeah. Just coat yourself in... What are wolves like? Besides just meat? Uh, Somebody throw me a bone here. No pun intended. <laughs> I don't know, actually, say other they, than say, meat. Say they like honey. I'll just lather myself in honey and run out there, and it's like, bite me. You know, 50-50 chance. I die. The only, become a werewolf. The only thing that you are going to fucking bring is a bear only wearing a t-shirt. Bears it's have t-shirts? That's a Winnie the Pooh reference, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that went right over your head. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Imagine being killed by that fucking thing. Why bother? That was a really shitty poo impression. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm that, not was, a voice that was actor. incredibly <laughs> shitty. I was like harnessing your copying Winnie the Pooh. Like, sadly, now I just hate you. <laughs> sadly? Yeah. Like, my feelings for you are just, I don't know. Like, just all just 
bad emotions. Why? Ang- anger and hate and because of what you just did. <laughs> the so- shit you just smeared on the Winnie the Pooh, I don't know. I'm sorry. God, I didn't know you were that passionate about Winnie the Pooh. I'm not. Well, it sure seems that way. Anyway, welcome to The Dissector's Cut. Yes. Ooh. Did you like that? I like that. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, cool. Nice and, nice and juicy. Worked a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. That was just me trying to lick my own asshole, by the way, in case anyone wants to know how I did that sound. Oh, God, you've been hanging out with your cats too long. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Josh. Across from me is my buddy, Matt. Oh, hi, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing good. Neat. Yeah, that's me. That's me and my multiple personality di- uh, disorder. Welcome back. We are talking about the Blair Witch Project today. Woo! I bet many, many people out there are probably thinking, so what? It's the Blair Witch Project. It sucks. It, okay. Well, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it, while it might not be the best movie... It is important when you think about horror films and the whole found footage genre. And if you really dive deep into like what actually went into making this film, it's pretty fucking interesting compared to what any other film's been made like. Oh, you're you're absolutely correct. Um anybody out there that's seen the film and kind of has this uh negative outlook on it. Hopefully, by the end of this episode, with the little treasure trove of things that we found out, it might just change your mind. Like you said, the things that go into this movie—I mean, a lot of horror movies, for that example. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they really uh, give me a different view of it. And that, that's the thing I love about diving into like the production and everything with films, because it kind of gives you just a little bit more reason to like it and just like admire it a little bit more. While it might still not be a great film. You at least can acknowledge, like, okay, you know, these people actually put their fucking effort into this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's, it's very appreciative. Now, you've, like, seen The Blair Witch. I have. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the, uh, I guess, the sequel, would you call it? Book, is, is it? Book of Shadows or the newest one? Uh, oh, wait. I think it might be just the newest one. I don't think yeah, I've seen Book of Shadows. Because Book of Shadows was the second one that came out, like, a few years after. And then Blair Witch is the one that came out, like... Just a few years ago? Yeah, like two, three years ago, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. I saw Book of Shadows. I have played the game. Oh, Well, nice. I haven't beat the game. I've played most of it, and then I got distracted. But it's As fun. one does. But it is fun. Um, What did you think of Blair Witch? The original? Yeah. When I first saw it, I was kind of unimpressed. Okay. Um, but then once I did a little research into it and not just, you know, for this episode, um, I actually decided, well, I turned, it turned out I liked it a little more than I thought. Uh, spoiler, you do not see any such thing that is the Blair Witch. No. Which is the only gripe if I really want to go looking for something that I don't like. Cause I, when it comes to a, some sort of creature feature, if you will. You want to see it. I want to see it. Just at least a part of it. I don't care if I have to wait an hour and a half to see it. I don't care if it's right on screen like King Kong or Feast yeah. or any of those. But just give me a little bit. You know, that's fair. I mean, I, I do admire like I do admire like the fact that, you know, some movies like that kind of leave it open to your imagination. Yep. Which I do like. Or in like this case case in the Blair Witch, because I know there's a lot of like uh conspiracy theories like, oh, what if it wasn't a 
actual witch? What if it was a secret killer? Like, there's all kinds of like weird conspiracies about like what's actually like terrorizing these three film students. Well, I will say, um, um in the newest Blair Witch, you do see her. Yeah, you see. I've se- I have seen that clip when they're like when the girls inside the house or whatever. Yeah, and she is not your typical like black hat broom shoved up the ass witch. No, she is not. She just looks. I don't. I don't know what it's almost kind of like the 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 cryptid the rake almost, but just imagine it a little more lankier and <laughs> the, the long way, hair. The way I thought of it, I was like, it's got the body of pumpkin head with a woman's head on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it too. But it's fucking it is terrifying. Yeah, see when I look at movies, well when I uh dissect these movies into my oh. own mind, I have different views of it. Like I'll take a perspective of the casual casual like viewer and what I thought about it that way. And then the other part of me will be like, well, find out what really goes into these movies and how how they actually acted and the emotions they portrayed and shit like that. And I'll be like, wow, that was actually pretty good. And then I kind of, with those two and then my other views, you know, I'll, I kind of collab them all. I just throw them into this fucking smorgasbord of, of stuff and I yeah. I come out with my ending result. For me, like... If I lo- that makes sense. Yeah. For, I, I mean, I understand it. It makes sense. Um, For me... I'm definitely not, like, a super hard film critic. It doesn't take a lot to, like, at least keep me entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for me, like, especially with horror movies, like, the the thing that I hate are these people that are like, oh, that's not scary, then it sucks. Shut up, I want to slap you. Yeah. Horror does not have to be scary to be good. L- like, I mean, there are so many great horror films that, like, I mean, honestly, if you're not... If like you have to be scared by a horror movie, you're not gonna find anything in horror exciting. That's very true. I mean, there's, I mean, the only time I ever get scared is jump scares. Yeah, everything else is just seems to be a little maybe unsettling. Yeah, there's some things that will creep me out, but like for me, like I take a little bit. Like, is the setting like if the setting's really neat, I'll be interested in it. Um, the atmosphere. The soundtrack is a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I like creative kills. Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, that was a really fucking creative kill. Like, one of the most creative kills that I've seen in recent memory is in Terrifier, which if our listeners haven't seen that, check out Terrifier. And um, it's got one of the newest uh, slashers, as if you want to call them, Art the Clown. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> Hence the name. I've never seen Terrifier. It uh, came out a few years ago. They're making a sequel. He... No, I thought the sequel was already out. No, not yet. Not that I'm aware of. No. Um, But Art the Clown came from All Hallows' Eve, which is a little, like, horror anthology that came out a few years back, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not not, not Trick or Treat, but All Hallows' Eve. A different anthology. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I didn't think about it until you just said it, but... uh... I do look into the creativeness of of kills. Yeah. If there are to be kills, which I mean, usually there are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. When it's just your normal shit, I don't know, just stab right through the chest. I'm like, yawn. That yeah. was boring. And that goes with other almost like systematical like tropes now with horror movies. When um, I say a haunting, for example, you know, it's always brought on by like the grief of the matriarch or patriarch of the house. Some of that's like, come on, can't we just get something like, I don't know, say the bell, Witch? you know, that little history lesson there for it to just come in and kill whoever it wants when it wants. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, why does it have to have, 
in like I would say the past decade, it always seems to be grief this way or another. Yeah, there are definitely some good like haunted paranormal movies out there. And I and I honestly I consider Blair Witch to be one of them because really it kind of has everything that you um like as far as like a haunting movie goes, like you hear shit in the woods, you know, our actors see shit. Uh there's all kinds of like weird happenings that's going on. But like you like in this film, you're never a hundred percent sure exactly what it is that's going on. Yeah, and maybe this maybe you can explain this, I don't know, or whomever, but I've always wondered why in in uh creature features specifically, like why do these creatures have to kill? Why do they always have to kill? I get it. It's for the movie. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's fun. I don't know. To be a horror movie, but like, say, say uh, Godzilla, for example. But Godzilla, say, take the New York one with Matthew Broderick. Yeah. He doesn't intentionally kill at all. He just tries to live his fucking life. Yeah. Yet um, some people could look at that in like tiptoeing their... Uh, into the realm of horror if they really really try yeah but i always wonder I was like why does this thing exist and all of a sudden just want to kill yeah i mean maybe he feels threatened by society or just humans you know taking over like coming into their uh you know the world trying to take it back i'm not 100 percent sure i never really thought about it but now i am <laughs> yeah, and, and then of course, on the other hand, like say the U.S. government in Godzilla, they always just try to kill it themselves. I mean, I understand it's like I don't know a thirty-foot tall uh, in that movie, a lizard that was contaminated by nuclear radiation, and yeah, like okay, guys, you created this way, way to go. <laughs> yeah, but they're like, yeah, we kill it. I'm just like, man, that's not always the outcome. No, now unless it's back to the movie Feast, where all they do is fuck. And then kill. You know, if you interrupt me while I'm fucking, I might just kill you. So I can get behind that motive. God, I haven't watched that movie in forever. Man, I, I have it, it. That it, that first image of him fucking just burnt into my mind when they're like looking out the window of the bar and like, what the hell are they doing? And it's like these two big furry, like link, like Stephen King Langoliers yeah. or something. And they're just fucking like, hur, hur, hur. I'm like, holy <laughs> fuck, they're fucking. <laughs> I actually think I have the movie in my collection. I might have to watch that tonight. Yeah, I might have to cut this podcast short and watch it right now. I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of wanting to get that. Yeah. Get that going. Who knows? Maybe there'll be an episode we cover in the future. Anyway, let's dive in to the Blair Witch Project. So pretty much what I'm going to be talking about today is diving in from like how like it kind of came to uh, be like the director's idea behind it, how they got the actors involved, because it's kind of an interesting way compared to like what a lot of like casting calls go through. And then, like, the very creative uh, way that they filmed everything. And then the fucking marketing campaign for this movie, which is one of the best marketing campaigns for fucking anything I've ever seen. Man, you sound like a cinema historian. (laughs) A real film enthusiast you are. I am just a nerd that loves movies. And honestly, I'm glad that we can do this podcast because it gives me more of a reason to listen to uh, movies with commentary on yeah i mean i can tell you're excited while you do this because i I find it fascinating because before when we've sat at like my dinner table or so and we've discussed some of this stuff you'll bring up a movie that i (laughs) particularly like Candyman, for example yeah uh particularly i i don't really care if that movie it is what it is but then you tell me things go behind it i'm like see for whatever reason knowing what went on be like behind the behind the scenes i'm like i actually kind of just like that movie now like the fact that he actually held real bees in his fucking mouth yeah <laughs> like exactly a fucking champ tony mm-hmm. todd god he's super nice too i wouldn't know 
Yeah. Um, I've met him. Oh God. What year was that? Uh, da, 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 da. 2014, 15, one of those years. That's been a little while. Yeah. I mean, he was super nice, super chill and very laid back. A lot of, a lot of the horror actors, cause I used to work for horror hound as you are aware. Mm-hmm. And for those aren't who aren't aware, horror hound is a Cincinnati based, uh, magazine kind of like fangoria and all that stuff i did not know it was cincinnati based Mm -hmm. yep came from cincinnati um and i mean it's all over the place now but they also hold horror conventions here in cincinnati and then they also have some in like columbus indiana i think the furthest they've done has been uh pittsburgh a few years back how did you reach out to that job uh they contacted me really so when i used to like right out of high school when i started doing my music promoting stuff I, um, you know, used to do interviews with bands mainly in like the horror punk scene. Yeah. Um, at the time they were also trying to kind of create a, uh, kind of like a record label with, uh, bands kind of mixed between like horror punk, metal, folk punk and all this kind of shit. And they, um, one of the times that they had a show here in Cincinnati, they, cause they used to have like after parties with bands playing. Sure. Um, I had interviewed Calibres, who was one of the bands that were uh, playing that year. Yep. And I was just kind of doing a self-promo bullshit because I was just like, hey, I just recently interviewed these guys. So I posted it in the Whorehound group page. And like a week later, I got a message from one of the creator's wife. who was like, hey. You said one of the creator's wives? Yeah. <laughs> like he had multiple wives? That's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah, no. No, no, no. I mean. <laughs> this ain't Utah, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I meant like one of the guys that started it. His wife contacted me. Uh, sure, <laughs> let sure. me make it. Yeah, um, but she had emailed me and asked, was like, you know, hey, we're starting this um, music thing for the magazine, and they asked if I would be interested in actually doing interviews and like doing reviews in the magazine itself. And I was like, fuck it, why not? Why not? Let's. Do something fun with this. That's so cool. Because I mean, the music thing, I kind of just started on my own and it was something that I just kind of did for yeah. fun. Yeah. And I, I did that for, at Whorehound for a good like five years. I remember when, uh, you know, I was in, I was in the band. We had the band going that you said, uh, once we got that album out, you'd review it, which of course I think, I think you might have been out of Whorehound by that time. I, I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember. I think I did get it in one of the magazines, I thought. Oh, maybe you did. I, I might have to go back Shows through how much it. I care. I might have to go back through and dig through some of the- uh, About my own mag- damn music. <laughs> about the magazines that I got published in. But yeah, that was super cool. Um, and I just kind of fell out of it because I kind of fell out of the music scene for a while. I mean, I've recently got back into it, and then, of course, everything shut down again. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Thanks, Universe. Yeah. I mean, the band parted at a, at a good time, I would say. The, yeah, that's actually- yeah. That is true, too. Um, that's quite the background. Yeah. My background, um, consists of my fat ass sitting (laughs) on the couch and occasionally getting on prime and finding something that I don't have to buy and just watching it. I mean, if I want (laughs) to give, I got, I want to give a little bit more background. I mean, my dad raised me on eighties crack, eighties crack. I tried to get that in before he said (laughs) eighties, but now it's a thing. Eighties crack. Oh, well, okay. Past crack. I mean, it's probably a thing, but, uh, my dad pretty much raised me on eighties, like movies and cartoons like action horror uh like i remember watching like predator good dad dad. yeah Uh, i remember watching predator like evil dead uh army of darkness was one of my favorites growing up aliens and all that shit and then i would watch uh because my grandparents had like the movie channels uh, Mm -hmm. because they had cable 
I remember just watching all kinds of different horror movies on there. Like I, that's when I first saw like Species, uh, Texas Chainsaw Ooh, Massacre. I forgot about Species. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds that I watched on there. And of course, Sci-Fi Channel kind of helped mold kind me. Kind of, yeah. Let's put some really you know, high emphasis on kind of helped. Yeah. And then, of course, I grew up loving all like the weird, creepy uh, cartoons like Courage the Cowardly Dog and Scooby-Doo and all that shit. So I was pretty much destined to be a fucked up adult. <laughs> can, can we just review Mega Piranha now? I kind of want to. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most boring fucking episode in the world. Uh, mm, yeah, probably. We will have to cover some shitty movies, though. All right, and I'll leave it up to you, man. You got the agenda for this. I'll have to like look to make sure that there's enough that for to create certain episodes. But uh, yeah. So, without further ado, let's get into the Blair Witch. Ooh yeah, 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 yeah. You like that? That wasn't even a sound effect. That was just my voice. I'm trying to think. Like I was like, man, that sounds like it could be used for something. But now I'm like not thinking of what it is. That was fascinating to hear. <laughs> All right, man. What is this Blair Witch shit? In 1980, the horror genre was revolutionized by an unprecedented style of filming the world I don't think was ready for. Nuh-uh. Oh, yeah. You, you really think they were ready for this? Italian <laughs> I don't film- think anyone is ready for anything anymore. Oh, oh no. Not especially this film. Italian film director, Ruggiero Deridato. I probably said his name wrong. It's Italian, and I can't pronounce his, if I can't pronounce his first name even correctly. It, it, it was sexy. Ru, Ruggiero Irodato. I don't fucking know. I think it just made it worse. Is that a pizza? <laughs> Maybe. Sounds like a pizza topping. But he is iconic in the horror scene, so I apologize. He would shock audiences everywhere with his cult classic, Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, God. Which. That movie. I do want to cover, but it's definitely going to be one of those episodes where we're going to have to have kind of like a. Uh, Disclaimer. Yeah, that like it's. It's a little fucked up. I mean, he even goes on the record to say that he has he did things in that film that he is not happy about, especially the animal killings. Uh, yeah, because they actually killed a turtle and something else. I think that's how that's how Peter started, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but if it wasn't for Cannibal Holocaust, we would not have found footage films today. It was one of the it was the first like documented found footage style film. Really? It was the first. Yep. I'll be damned. But they were they were kind of more like like documentary documentary. Yeah, it was types. kind of like a film crew kind of thing, kind of a uh, ordeal. Yeah. Pretty I, much like they went into the Amazon to try to find uh the uh ba, 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 I forget the tribe's name. Ba, 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 ba. That's weird. Yeah, that's the tribe name. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, they tried to find the, the tribe kind of similar to Eli Roth's Green Inferno, which was kind of like a homage to Cannibal Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Um but it kind of like after they after it released, you know, the eighties and nineties had like early nineties had some films that kind of copied that kind of like recipe. Like there wasn't it wasn't all horror either. Um, but it wasn't until Blair Witch came out where it kind of revolutionized. Oh God, yeah! And then footage. Oren Pelly was like, "Hey, I can make a ghost one about this and go up paranormal activity." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget my dad saying that he watched the Green Inferno and he's like, Man, that thing was fucked up. And I was oh, like, I was yeah. like, Yeah, why don't you watch the original, the quote unquote original for Holocaust or Hannibal? Oh my god. Hannibal Holocaust. <laughs> you can't talk either. It makes Fuck, me no, feel better. I about said Hannibal. Like Hannibal Lecter. Well, I mean, and Hannibal's a good TV show. Hannibal Alcoholocaust. Yeah, you like that? 
In January of 99, during the Sundance Film Festival, those in attendance would view what would seem to become one of the most successful indie horror films of all time. One of the most successful indie films altogether. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Following three young student filmmakers during their hike through the Black Hills of Maryland as they make a documentary about a local legend in the area, I am, of course, talking about The Blair Witch. So to kind of give a little recap, as I went, you know, talked about there, pretty much we have three student filmmakers who learn about this legend in Maryland. They decide, you know, let's make a documentary about it because fuck it. Why not? Well, yeah, why not? So, and you know, the movie starts out, they start talking with some of the uh, town residents and they kind of give the filmmakers a little bit of a background about all the crazy shit that happened. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, you know what? Let's go try to find this Blair Witch Aren't some of those actors, um, some of the town residents, weren't some of them actually like actors for the movie and others were actual town residents? Yep. Actually, I I dive into a little bit um, later on when you talk about the filming. Uh, But yeah, there was a part where the, like when they were interviewing the townsfolk, like they actually interviewed some actual town folks like in town. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, directors kind of like hid like real actors to like, actually like tell them like what to say that and those are the ones that kind of help create the mythos for the movie oh yeah i really like the uh the mom and the daughter one yeah where the daughter's like picking her nose the entire fucking time and all of a sudden she like starts talking about the witch and the daughter like puts her hand on her mom's mouth like no don't talk about it i'm like yeah. oh, that was fucking gross yeah well and not to mention that part is just creepy and in general, because you're like, oh, wow, this little kid immediately, like, no, don't don't talk about it. Nope, I don't like it. It's scary. Yeah, she, that, I, I don't know which ones were plants and which one weren't, and I don't mean, like, plants like you eat if you're a fucking herbivore, but she seemed like one that they just came across to me. Yeah, like, even going back and watching it, I still can't 100% pinpoint which ones are, like, the real town folks and then the actual just, uh, like, actors. I know the... One older creepy lady that uh, they talked to, I forget her name of the film, but she actually went on to help in like the art department for the film. Oh, okay. Like, okay. She's like, she's the only one that I know was an actual actor. Oh, but, yeah. I just, I had to look this up while we were talking about it, but you said one of the most successful, if not the most successful yeah. indie film. I just want to say, uh, the, I see the production budget here says $600,000, but what I just read before was 60000 Um, it was, I think, made like originally for sixty, like your sixty thousand, and then when it became came time to like do all the promotions and stuff, that's what created the bigger budget, I believe. Okay, okay, but it says out the worldwide that it made was nearly three hundred million dollars. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I give a little bit of a breakdown of like how much money, like exactly this made, like how I I think I have it in here to where like. This much was made per dollar spent, and it's really fucking fascinating. Oh, fuck. All right, man. Get to it. Well, Don't let me talk. And you have to think, too, like this, like when I said it helped revolutionize like found footage films, it's mm-hmm. because people saw how successful this movie was made for practically pennies when you think about how, you know, we have like these multi-million dollar movies out here now, and they're like, fuck, we can do this. Some did well. Others uh, not so much. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you did talk about paranormal activity earlier. Uh, just fun little trivia because you know I'm fucking full of useless trivia. Lay it on me. Lay it on the listeners. The uh, director. Yeah, yeah. That was filmed in his own house. Orin Pelly. Yep. Or however you say his name. Mm-hmm. That was filmed in his own house. Yep. The very first one. Yep. 
Yeah, because wasn't the budget for that movie like fifty thousand or something? Oh, or something? it was. Yeah, it was yeah, very something. very low. Yeah, it didn't even need you know like a, a set. Just had his house right there, free of yep. charge. Really, what a nice house too. Yeah, that was pretty nice. Yeah, they all like throughout the whole series, they all had nice houses. It'd be funny if like every house in the Paranormal Activity series was his house, and it just clearly shows his like I don't know three bedroom like two story house, and all of a sudden he had like this multi million dollar house with a pool back and behind it, and then whatever the latest one is like a fucking mansion. Be like, wow, we clearly see where the money's going, <laughs> right? Yeah. The Blair Witch Project undeniably made the found footage style popular in horror. While it's not everyone's cup of tea with complaints of motion sickness and jarring cuts being a bit distracting for some, which almost any found footage film and first person game kind of gets that kind of hate motion sickness is a thing. I have a close friend that can't play a lot of first person games because it makes her sick. Okay, well, she's not like what I said. I'm sorry. Get her. (laughs) Due to the success of Project, we've been graced with some of the other great films. Like I've mentioned before, a couple before, you know, I, I enjoy the first Paranormal Activity. but I really don't mind it. We also get greats like Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon, which I highly suggest if you people like slasher films because it's kind of like a mock of slashers and it's set in like a world if like Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger and Jason actually existed. Uh, and what's that called again? Uh, Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon. <laughs> Rise of Leslie Vernon. Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yep. God, what a title. And then, you know, we also get Wreck, which we also got an American remake called Quarantine. Which... Oh, oh, Wreck, like record. Yeah. Yes, I, 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 I think I've seen both of those. I think both, I saw Quarantine first. Yeah, both are fine films. I mean, the remake for the, like, Quarantine, I mean, it's almost like a shot-for-shot remake, but, like, the entire, like, because um, it's a perfect like... movie to watch right now, just so everyone knows. Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Wreck and like the two sequels that follow, and they're very solid. Then we also got movies like Creep, which is another really good, like I have quote, yet to watch that quote unquote like, documentary. A lot yeah. of people like it. It's a good one as well. The thing that sets the Blair Witch Project apart from the rest, however, is how it was filmed and the real terror the actors involved felt. Today, we'll be taking a deep dive into the story of the Blair Witch Project from concept to finalization. Most of our information today comes from interviews with the cast and crew, commentary on the films, and then I also found a book called Eight Days in the, Eight Days in the Woods by Matt Blazy. Mm. And in the book, he like left no stone unturned. Like He got into contact with the directors, all the cast, pretty much anybody involved, and learned and like, in, like, through interviews. He learned so much about what went into this movie. Like, it's fucking fascinating. Wow. So, yeah, if you're interested, you could buy The Eight Days in the Woods on uh, Amazon for right now from a paperback for uh, $23. And it's got all five stars, like, not even a half, like, last star. It's five gold stars. Holy shit. How many, how, many, how many reviews, though? Two? 39. Oh, okay. It's not terrible. Yeah. No, like, if you're interested in, like, you know, the behind the scenes of movies like I am, I definitely suggest checking it out. The paperback is $23. Yep. Oh my God. It's not, it's not like a, it wasn't a book that got like a huge, uh, release. So it didn't have a, like a ton of copies made. I don't think any of my books here cost me 23 bucks and half of them are hardback. You don't have to open up like an Amazon credit line just for that book. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not the most expensive book I've bought, but you know, we won't talk about that. Let's talk about that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> So the Blair Witch Project was written, directed, and edited by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Film students themselves, the duo was inspired by documentaries about the paranormal phenomena. At this time, they found that these were to be scarier than actual horror films at the time. 
Uh, so I, I would tip my hat to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they thought the idea of creating a horror film that mixes both paranormal phenomena and horror would be a great, you know, collaboration. I wholeheartedly agree. Unlike most films, there was no script. All the dialogue was intended to be improvised, which is fucking crazy if you think about it. Isn't that how, um, or at least a lot of Step Brothers was? Like, didn't Will Ferrell and um, John C. Riley? I think they just like, uh, oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? Like improv? Imp- improvised. Yeah, improvised at least you know, a good majority of that. That I'm not 100%. Positive? Oh, look, I guess I should start my own fucking podcast about yeah. comedies. I was going to say it was, a com- it was a comedy movie. I didn't dive too deep into it, but it wouldn't surprise me knowing oh, those two. Weird flex, but okay, you know. <laughs> Matt on. knew something about a movie I didn't. Woo! You yep. want to know another? Sure. Godzilla, like the older Godzilla films, how they made his noise. They used like a, they had like a, a I can't, oh shit, no, I can't remember. It's a cello or like a double bass, an upright bass. And they had like a latex glove. I think they, you, you. I remember you telling me about yeah, this. Yeah, and they rubbed it over that, and it made that that horrible, yet awesome. See, if we ever do an episode of talking about Godzilla, I think that might be an episode that you are oh, in charge dude, of. Dude, lay it on me. I got so many films over there. Oh yeah, the entire. Well, that's what we'll do. We'll just dive into the entire Godzilla fucking. Yeah, they all suck. Well, yeah, they're not all great movies, but goddamn, are they fun? The first one's actually great. The, yeah, the first one is great. And then even before Godzilla, if no one even knows, there was Gamera. Okay, actually, you know, a little side trip really quick. What did you think of the newest movie? Uh, King King of the Monsters. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah? I actually liked it. I really liked it, too. I want to know more about some of those side monsters that they introduced, like the fucking giant mammoth. What? You don't remember the giant mammoth? No. In, uh, there's the scene where, like, they're, like, in, like, their, like, little fucking military based thing and it's watching like showing like the videos of like all the other monsters yeah there's a fucking oh, giant mammoth well i remember that but i don't remember most of the other mo- monsters um by the best of my knowledge there is no mammoth monster yeah like i believe like godzilla lore. i think this one was created for that film it has to be just like the um i can't remember the actual insect's name but whatever monarch yeah discovered yeah that's got to be something completely completely different but I, I did really enjoy it. I thought that they did a really good job with, uh, you know, King Ghidorah and Mothra. Oh, King Ghidorah, man. He was he was terrifying. Okay, this is not a Godzilla podcast. <laughs> it's not, but it doesn't we'll get, matter. It's a movie podcast. We'll get to that I later. will say, though, um, I remember coming home from watching that movie. I uh, went with friends, and I was riding in the back seat, and I looked over, and there was, like, a storm off in the distance, and there was just, like, lightning, and I was just like, God damn it, what if I just saw the figure of Ghidorah in the clouds? Yeah. <laughs> Monster Zero. Ah, God damn it. All right, anyway, back to Blue Witch. All right. We love movies here, so uh, we might get distracted talking about movies, but uh, it's our podcast, so... <laughs> white chicks. <laughs> Let's talk about white chicks. Okay, back to the Blue Witch. <laughs> So as I said, unlike most films, there was no script. All the dialogue was intended to be improvised. The only thing written was a 35-page outline of the mythology behind the Blair Witch, which was given to the actors who, until after seeing the final cut of the film, thought to be a real legend. Man, that is incredible. Just to think that that whole thing was improvised. Yeah. I mean, you might look at it and think it might not be terribly difficult because it's just a bunch of screaming and like, hey, where are we at? Are we here? We're lost. We're not... No, if you no look, one knows we're here, but to, if you look at how they acted, yes, it's so well done. To convey that was incredible. Oh, God, yeah. The actors didn't even know what was going to be happening beforehand, which led to 
mostly real reactions to them on screen. So a lot of the, like they knew some of what was going to happen, but their director is like changed a little bit here and there just to fuck with them a little bit more. See, that's cool because before I even knew that little fun fact there, I had thought the, the girl, Heather, I thought she was outstanding. I was like, uh, man, it, she makes it seem so realistic. She really does. Like her, Heather Donahue, uh, which they, they use the real names in the film, which I think is really nice and kind of a nice little touch. I like that. Um, a lot of found footage films uh, tend to do that now. Um, like they might change like people's last names, but they tend to use like the actors like first names. It's probably just to make it seem more, you know, quote unquote real. Yeah. Hence why it's found footage too. Yep. The mythology written was heavily inspired by real world events and people. And I talked about this to you the other night. For instance, the title witch herself, Ellie Kedward, got her name as an anagram of Edward Kelly, a mystic from the 16th century. And the child killer mentioned during the beginning of the f- movie, whose name was Rustin Parr, was an anagram of the infamous Rasputin. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah I heard there was a connection uh, between the, the Blair Witch and the Bell Witch. I, I could believe like, it. Like, they didn't get, like, all their inspiration from it, but they yeah. got a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you could also look at the name, the Blair Witch Project, the Bell Witch Project. Yeah. The Blair Witch is supposed supposedly the spirit of Kedward, who was banished by the Blair Township for witchcraft in 1785, obviously inspired by events similar to the Salem witch trials that also happened in most of the like New England area. Yeah, sure. Which, if you guys don't remember, this movie set in Maryland. <laughs> for casting, the directors put in a casting call advertisement in Backstage Magazine, which was a zine who focused mainly on casting and other career opportunities for those working in the film industry and performing arts. The advertisement called for actors interested in a completely improvised featured film. Roughly 2,000 actors were originally auditioned. Wow. And I remember watching an interview, uh, I forget what show it was, but it was with Heather Donahue. Um, and she said that it was the completely improvised like feature film that caught her attention. She's like, I have to audition for that. Wasn't there something weird about the audition too? Yep. You get into that? Okay. I will. Well, depending on what, you were thinking of but once i get through this you can say if you yeah so according to heather donahue in an interview as soon as they entered the room to audition the directors would look them in the eye and go you've served a seven year seven year sentence of nine years why should we let you out on parole heather continued saying she came up with some baby killer kind of like backstory for her character and looked the directors in the eye and said you shouldn't let me out (laughs) oh yeah that was um and you might say this, I have no idea, but um, that's where I was going with that. They would bring into the room, they would immediately just throw this scenario out at you, and I saw something like if you hesitated, like you're like, oh, uh, uh, trying to figure out a story, they were like, get out. And I mean, that kind of plays into the whole, and like they just wanted to make sure they get people that can improvise, because that's all improv is, is just on the spot yep. making up a fucking story. Yep. Joshua Leonard said he was cast due to his knowledge on how to use a video camera since the majority of the film was to be recorded by the actors themselves, which is also very unprecedented in a lot of films. Mm -hmm. Along with Heather Donahue and Joshua Leonard, Michael C. Williams was also cast, giving us our three principal actors. I really couldn't find a whole lot of like the uh, interview process for Michael or Joshua, so I'm not 100% sure like what their... uh, improv skills were like but obviously they had to have been somewhat decent out of 2000 people yeah. they're the other two that got selected for a three person project sure yeah and of course you know um joshua knowing how to 
use a camera. I mean, because this film was filmed in 98. So, you know, you had those fucking big ass camcorders and all that shit, which are all nice and fancy at the time. <laughs> oh, dude, it was like walking around with a you know, cement block on your shoulder. Yeah, kind of. I still have like vivid memories of my grandpa at like early holiday holidays as a kid with a big ass video camera filming the family. And they probably had like, those were like VHSs. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My my father has one of those. And as time progressed, you know, his camera just got smaller and smaller. And now we just use our phones like fucking Neanderthals. Yep. Yeah. I'm liking it. <laughs> the type of character Sanchez and Myrick had in mind for the actors to play, which I should also state, kept their real names, as I said before, are as followed. Heather was to obsessively record everything. Which she nailed, I think. Oh, you know, yeah. She just, she just kept going, you know, we have to fucking record this. We have to record this. Joshua was, was intended, at least for a portion of the film, to be the peacemaker of the group. And Michael was supposed to be the one who said what the audience, audience was probably thinking, which he also pretty much nailed. I would say that, yeah, that portrays all three of them perfectly. Before the real work could begin, however, they were given a two-day crash course on how to operate the cameras they would be using throughout the uh, filming. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Joshua knew how to do it, but they wanted to make sure Heather and Michael also knew how to, to operate As the you cameras. do. Yep. Because, you know, each one of them kind of operated the camera at certain times throughout the film. I can't remember Michael operating a camera. <laughs> now that you think about it, like, I'm like, I just like fast forward the entire movie through my head. I'm like, fuck. Did he? I can't remember. All I can think of is like the, the boom... The boom mic he had, I think, but that's all I could think of. Oh, well, he didn't deserve it. Well, I'm sure he, he did because, you know, there was 20 hours filmed of this movie. So I'm sure there was, it was 20 hours, but they chopped it down into 90 minutes. So I'm sure he did operate the camera at some point. And they uh, were just like, your footage sucks. Shut up. I hope he operated it a lot better than he operated that map. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. On October 23rd, 1997, Okay, so I got my date wrong. It was 97, not 98. Okay. I'm, d- I'm dumb. <laughs> I don't know my 90s. On October 23rd, 1997, principal photography would finally begin. They filmed the beginning segments in the historic town of Burkittsville. These included the scenes where the three students were interviewed with the town folks. While some of these that they interviewed were not actors, the directors ahead of time planted actors for them to interview unbeknownst to the three main members. We kind of talked about that before. Yeah. This gave the film genuine reactions when they would were told parts of the legends, and you can kind of see it when they uh, the citizens kind of told them stuff. They'd be like, "What the fuck? This is weird." Oh yeah, especially when they started talking about uh, Rustin Parr, the baby killer. Mm-hmm. Since the film's release, the Burkittsville welcome sign shown at the beginning has been stolen three times. Oh, come on, people! And one of the times it got stolen, it was like the day of the movie I actually released, just because mo- people knew that it was. Uh, filmed there so you know people you, just people just like having like lose little su- souvenirs little souvenir it's a fucking town sign yeah but do you know how cool that would be on your I wall just, i would just walk into the f- i would take it on my wall i would just walk into the forest and bend down and grab a bunch of leaves and just say they stepped on these <laughs> heather donahue's tears were on this leaf yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's covered in her salt <laughs> and then whatever that black goop Shit was from the Blair Witch herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all over my clothes. Yeah, when I heard that, my eyebrow raised. I was like, what? <laughs> Just saying. Hey, you know, sometimes you can get a little excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm being haunted. Oh, yeah. Fuck. 
The majority of the film was filmed in Seneca, Seneca Creek National Park in Maryland. <gasps> what? Seneca Creek? Yep. So it's an actual, like, pretty popular park. I remember uh, in an interview that I read, Heather talked about there was a time where they would, like, literally have to stop filming to let a uh, family, like, go through the path that they're on, on their bikes. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, when you're in the, like, watching the movie and you think they're super deep in the woods, they're really not. I wonder how big that park is. I'm not 100% sure. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's a national park, so probably decent size but it's also in maryland now this is where the blair witch project stands apart from other films where most films see the directors involved yelling action before the take for this movie the directors kept in touch via walkie-talkie the three cast members were meant to record themselves as much as possible heather donahue mentioned to fangoria magazine in an interview that when she first arrived on set she asked sanchez if if they were planning to make a snuff film Mm. like she was kind of creeped out at the whole idea of them just, you know, going into the woods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, to the point I remember also reading that um, she kept, like, a knife in her boot just because she didn't like the idea of going into the woods with just two guys. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, better safe than sorry. I can get behind that. I understand. And, of course, those who aren't familiar with what snuff films are, because I guess probably the casual moviegoer probably wouldn't be familiar uh, a Slipknot documentary? <laughs> yes. Uh, no. A porno? Uh, I would hope people wouldn't find it <laughs> pornographic, but I'm sure <laughs> somebody would. And if they are, we need to take them in. I know there's um, snuff videos out there. Oh, God, yeah. So snuff films were essentially uh, videos that were made, especially in like the 70s and 80s, where people actually were killed and died on camera. And people would view it for their pleasure. Yeah, it's a little heavy. Um, a little, yeah, a little bit. The directors gave the actors a GPS with set directions and the actors would follow these coordinates filming as they went. Once they made it to the predetermined locations, they would find a milk crate with an orange bicycle flag sticking out of it. Whoa. Yeah. They kind of helped signify because of course milk crate could kind of get lost in the, like all the foliage and stuff. So the bike flags would basically just to stand out so they easily find it. Sure. There, they would leave their film that they'd, you know, obviously what they had been filming, they would leave it in the box itself. They would also pick up food, and then they would find uh, film canisters with each actor's names on them, which held directions given to the actors, an idea of what to do next. However, they could only read their own note and not share with the others. In an interview with The Guardian, Myrick revealed these notes would say things like, Heather, you're obviously sure that to get out of this meth, you go south. So you're telling me that the crew would not see the director and and whomever else, but they would put out milk cartons with little orange flags, bike flags. Yep. And you said like movie canisters or so? They would would have uh, the film canisters, like the little film canisters that you could uh, obviously get film in. So once they discover, so like would they, do you know, like would they wake up, wake up and get out of their tent and they would see like a milk carton over there and they'd be like, oh, okay. Well, um, like I said, like each milk canister, they were given like a GPS coordinate inside it. So they would type it into the little GPS and it would lead them to um, wherever. And then, of course, they were like they were kept in contact with walkie talkie and the directors weren't like super, super far away. Like they could obviously be close enough to make sure where they needed. kind of. Yeah. Um, So like if they were going the wrong way, they would let them know. But for the most part, yeah, they just. Let the actors figure out their way to 
the GPS, uh, the coordinates with GPS. And yeah, that would lead to the film canister, which would tell them what to do next for that day. I mean, I don't know. It probably says, you know, from now until dusk, do this. And then from during the night, we want you to do this. And you got to do that. Would sound so fucking fun. Yeah. And I, uh, in that same interview, Myrick also mentioned that, um, they, like, you know, they gave like the actors little notes that said how, like what they need to do, but they were like, we let them play it how they wanted. Get naked. No, but they would all the the only time like they would intervene the directors would be like if they needed to tone down something a little much like if they played something up a little too much, they they would come in like okay you guys you know we need to tone it down just a little bit. <laughs> they just walk in all fucking like power hungry like this, and then they just fucking like smack him like what are you fucking doing? We wanted that at a level eight, not eight point four. You're up here. We need you to be about down here. <laughs> As filming continued, the director's plans were to move the actors along during the day, letting them improvise their way to the next direction. And once night fell, the directors harassed the actors, which led to some of the best parts. For instance, while the actors are inside the tent the first couple of nights, you hear footsteps outside, sticks breaking and rustling all around. This was just the directors walking up to the tent, like into the campsite and just walking away. They would break sticks, throw them off into the distance. So it like sounded like shit was falling all around them. And the actors had no idea. That is so fucking cool. And yet that sounds so fun to me. Oh, God, I would love to make a movie like this. You have no oh my fucking idea. God, tell me about it. Like, just to be able to, like, obviously not harass an actor to a point where it's Stanley Kubrick level with Shelley Duvall. Oh, Jesus Christ. But <laughs> to this kind of level. Okay, if anybody out there wants to be in the movie that me and Josh make, send us an email. Okay, at the director's cut podcast at gmail.com. Yes, I would love to make a movie so much. We have absolutely no idea what we're doing, but that's half the fun. Yeah, I mean, obviously, these guys did it. I mean, God, yeah, how hard, how hard could it be? (laughs) $600,000 budget? We can come up with that, right? I'll just pull it out of my butt. I ain't crying. On the third day of filming, a storm had moved into the area, causing massive downpours, which can be seen during some of the film. Ah, King Ghidorah. Back at it again. (laughs) Yeah. After filming all day, they returned to their campsite to discover that their tent had leaked and all their bedding and clothes had been soaked. Oh my god! With only the walkie-talkies in tow, they tried to radio the directors because they refused to sleep in a soaked tent because they're like, all right, yeah, this is a little much. This is how we're going to get sick with pneumonia. Forest spirit walked up there and just fucking pissed on it all. <laughs> right. Fucking one to go. Get the fuck out of my national park. Fucking lesson from uh, the Witcher. Nah, ain't that cool. <laughs> ain't that cool. <laughs> I mean, if it ripped through the tent, it would be. Yeah, I really wish it did. So the directors had given them GPS coordinates to pretty much give them ways out of the woods. They tried to contact. Oh, their- so they could have got out of the woods the entire time. Yeah. Wow. Paradise was just right there over the horizon. Literally, like there goes a fucking Toyota. Like we know a road's right there. Let's just go that way. So they tried to radio the directors because, like I said, they refused to sleep in the tent, but they couldn't get a hold of the director. So they were like, all right, let's just use the coordinates, try to get the fuck out of the woods for the night, continue tomorrow, see what the fuck happened. So as they walk out of the woods, they they came upon a house that allowed them to enter. They were able to use the phone to contact the directors. Now... Oh, so they actually, they actually did leave the woods. Yeah, they, they left okay. the site. So, if this is not a sign of the fucking times, imagine fucking three kids come out of the fucking woods at like you know, because like I said, this was late nineties. 
three kids come fucking stumbling out of the woods. Obviously, they're soaked. Oh, yeah, they're soaked, and they, I mean, they look abysmal. They, yeah, they probably look fucking, like, they're dirty as shit. Well, their hair's all matted. They got leaves and twigs and mud and dirt and all that shit all over them, I'm sure. somebody was just like, yeah, you could come in my house. Why not? They let them in? Yeah, they let oh, them in to use their phone. Obviously, God. they let them know. They're like, hey, you know, we're filming a movie, blah, blah, blah. Our campsite got their tent started leaking and all this. Like, they explained it to them. So they was- banged. They wanted to perform fellatio acts. <laughs> I know it. I fucking know it, man. After they got in the contact with the directors, the actors were picked up, taken out to a DC meal, and put in a motel for the night so they could shower and sleep in a warm bed. The okay, crew- so I get to have the time of my life on a movie set, and then I get escorted for a free meal. Yeah, essentially. Oh my god, this sounds like the greatest life. <laughs> the crew waterproofed their tent so that the next day they could continue <laughs> filming. They're like, I'm sure sorry they guys. Did. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Like, fuck you, rain. And of course, you know, this is New England, so it rained a fucking lot up there. Maybe the witch just performed a rain dance. <laughs> I hear it works. Go out into your front lawn, put your hands up high into the air, and sing with me. I'm offended for someone. Look, the sky's getting dark. <laughs> Actually, the sun came out for the first time today. Oh, fuck <laughs> you, you radiant bitch. <laughs> you did the fucking raw dance. I did. Proud of you. I'll have to go back through my witchcraft book and <laughs> learn up on it. So many of the actors' real reactions can be seen and heard throughout the film, which we mentioned earlier. Hence the sound that you just hear all the time when there's film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, making it clear. But one of the best reactions I love is when they walk south all day in one giant circle, you know, they realize like, fuck, you know, we fucked up somewhere. Obviously, this was planned by the directors. Now, their their like unhappy reaction, mm-hmm. that was legit. They were extremely unhappy that they had wasted all day just walking in a giant circle. Is, is, is that the moment where they they come across the same tree or is that a different moment? It's the same moment, I think believe okay so they decided to walk south all day did they actually walk in a circle yep okay so how did the director do that that i'm not 100 percent sure they probably led them like in different coordinates throughout the time but yeah they pretty much made them walk in a giant circle and they were just not 100 percent happy that's fucking incredible i wouldn't be happy either i would be very uh unhappy to walk all day in the woods yeah if anyone is lost in the woods right now and hearing this i don't know how the fuck that would happen but if you did uh thanks for listening first off (laughs) (laughs) yeah we hope you don't die because we want you to come back for the next episode (laughs) um but no if you can find a stream if you can hear a stream and then you can locate the stream Whichever way it's flowing, you know, downstream, follow that. Yeah, sure, you might come across some animal life since everything needs water to drink. You might come across bears, wolves. I don't know where you're at. Honey badgers. Bigfoot. If you're from that Don Under. But follow the stream because more times than not, that will lead, lead to some sort of civilization. Good advice. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to keep people safe, man. And what is probably one of my favorite scenes, one of the nights while filming, the actors begin he- hearing children's voices in the woods, which is fucking Oh yeah, terrifying. go ahead and explain to me how the fuck they did this. So, the children's voices were pre-recorded sounds of children playing around the house at director Sanchez's mother's house. They played the tapes through boomboxes hidden in the woods. The actors soon find themselves attacked, you know, when the tent starts fucking violently shaking, just being hit and all this. As the tent begins to violently shake, this was unscripted. The directors had decided to shake the tent to get a uh, legit reaction from the three actors. 
the fear that is heard in the scene is totally real. Nice. And this is the you know the one where they fucking book it out of the uh, tent. Yeah. So they so they recorded the baby screams. They didn't do with it like they did the the branches. They didn't like crack babies and just throw them out in the, in the fucking woods and listen to them scream. <laughs> just like real babies just crawling in the woods. <laughs> okay, that would be terrifying. But no, I guess um, Sanchez's mother has like a lot of grandkids and stuff that wanted to play around the house. So they decided let's just record the kids playing. And I think some of the sounds also recorded from like a local park as well. I was going to say I'm surprised Ed- they didn't do it from the local park. Could you imagine like a bush and like a boom mite just slowly sticking out of it to your <laughs> three year old? Hey, that's the missing four one one. All these kids that go to parks and all of a sudden they, they disappear and no one knows where the hell they went. Right there. The director from The Blair Witch has kidnapped him for a sequel. <laughs> okay. Or even during the making of this one. I don't know how far back the 411 goes. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Okay. Are we starting a conspiracy podcast now? We can if you'd like. Uh... It's related to The Blair Witch, so yeah. Sure. After ten, after... Fuck you. After the tent is attacked, the three actors run from it. Here is where we were supposed to get our first look at the Blair Witch. I would have fought the tent back. (laughs) Just start pushing it. Yeah, Yeah, I would. (laughs) When Heather looks over and screams, oh my God, what the fuck is that? The one behind the camera, which I'm not 100% sure if it's Michael or Joshua. I I can't remember. Well, I think it's Michael. I think Josh is gone at that point. No, this is before Josh disappears. Oh, spoiler. Josh disappears. Okay, well, never mind. (laughs) What movie did I watch? Right. So, the one behind the camera was supposed to pan over to show a woman in a white gown in the distance. So, the woman in the white gown in the distance, which was actually the film's art director, Ricardo Marino, wearing Mm. white long johns, white stockings, and white pantyhoses pulled over his head, moving through the woods parallel to the trio. They never reshot this scene, so the reveal never happened. But honestly, like... That's where I get mad. Honestly, though, I love that because you have no idea what she sees. I still love the I still love the movie, but I'm like, mm, damn it. I just I love like I I do love that scene, and I'm glad that they didn't reshoot that because you have no idea what she's seeing, and I, that is like when I first watched this film growing up, like that's what terrified me because I'm like, fuck, what is she seeing? Yeah, I mean, I can I can agree with that. According to the directors, the original plan of the film it was to be Mike who disappeared first. However, during the course of filming, Josh and Heather butted heads quite a bit, apparently at times leading to some heated arguments. Sanchez and Myrick decided it was best to switch and let Josh, you know, leave the set soon. Quote unquote leave. Yes. Joshua Leonard was given a note that said once Heather and Mike fall asleep, leave the tent. There he was met with the crew on um, outside the tent and they were pretty much just like, you're dead, dude. Yeah, because I mean... I always wonder what happened. They woke up and he was literally just gone and you never saw him again. Yep. I'm yep. like, what the fuck? I remember um, hearing they also told him in the note, like, if somebody wakes up, just tell me you're going to go out and take a piss. Because, yep. I mean, you're not going to pee in the tent. And no one's going to really want to follow you if you're going to go piss. Right. So, after this, this is when we start hearing, like, Josh scream. Oh, yeah. This. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let the fornication begin. But the screams you hear of Josh later in the film, they were all pre-recorded. Like, um, they recorded, like, once they met up with Josh, they had him scream. Uh, once again, they hid boomboxes throughout the woods and fucking blasted it through speakers. That way, it sounds like it's coming from fucking different locations at different times. Smarty pants. I just want to know where they got all these boomboxes. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where you would get them during that time. How much that would cost? I don't know. Circuit City? Circuit City was around then. Oh my God, Circuit yeah. City. That's where I got my Xbox 360. There's a fucking flashback. 
I remember watching a Family Guy episode and uh, they were like watching television and a Circuit City ad came on and it's like, there's only one of us left. Come find us. <laughs> it's like the fucking last blockbuster in uh, Alaska or wherever. Oh my God. Well, close to where we live here, there was a blockbuster sign that, I mean, it, it had been gone for 15 or so years, but like on the sign that has all the, you know, White Castle. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Sher- Sherwin Williams and whatnot. There was blockbuster. I'm like, fucking get rid of that. And they finally did. But I was like, good Lord. Hey. It's historic. Leave them alone. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yep. I love the meme. Uh, just talking about Blockbuster, where it talks about I got ID and I went to pull out my ID and my old Blockbuster card fell out and the guy went, "Never mind." <laughs> 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 so in the scene where Heather finds the piece of fabric wrapped in a string outside their tent, the camera captures a glimpse of what's inside, Ooh, and I kind of love yeah. the way that they filmed it and like how the film is kind of grainy and all that. You can't exactly see what's in there. So while it's not entirely clear what all is in there, we can see a couple of things. There's a couple of bloody teeth and a block of hair. Whose could it be? These teeth are indeed real and were given to the directors by a local dentist. And that makes me wonder. What the fuck? Can you just go to any dentist and just ask for teeth? Is that a thing? Okay, well, he's a serial killer. Like, is that a thing? Um, not that I know of. Like, well, it depends. Because my wife, when she went and got couple of her teeth pulled um you know before they shook your hand and said no out with ye like we're done she's like can i have that and I'm like well, oh uh, yeah sure well, yeah i mean it's your teeth well yeah and i know you're meaning can you walk in and just ask for anybody's teeth i would find that a high no maybe i guess in the i guess in the 90s it was different i don't know maybe Beckett, beckettsville or whatever the fuck it is maybe their doctor their dentist sorry it was just like you know what i don't give a fuck there's like 40 people live in this town. You can I, have whatever you want. I mean, I, I am a firm believer that dentists are just there to cause pain. Hell they a, are sadists. A, the dentist is probably the cop, too, in that town. So he don't give a <laughs> fuck. He ain't going to investigate himself. I remember there was an article that came out recently where, like, they found, like, a shit ton of teeth in, like, some old dentist's walls. Uh, oh, in his walls? I can't. Okay, so I can't remember the exact details, but you're right. There was a dentist, but it was like he... or. I think it was a dentist. Maybe it was a doctor. But it was something along those lines. Like a dentist with teeth in the walls or like a doctor with tongues in the wall yeah, or fuck. tongues under the floorboards. Yeah. Fuck all that. Something fucked up like that. Certified though. He was certified. He, he wasn't certified to carry all of those at his home, but he was a certified doctor or dentist or whatever he was. So along with the real teeth, <laughs> the fabric is also from Josh's shirt that they ripped the piece off of. During an interview with Sanchez, he mentioned that originally Heather found the bundle and threw it away from the tent. Like, she was so freaked out. She was just like, nope, fuck this. But their directors had to get a hold of her over the walkie and tell her to open it and react. Speaking of Josh... So they made her do that, but not reshoot that scene with the actual entity? I'm even more mad. Right? I mean, and you gotta think, too. I'm trying. The, the fact that... Like, I just... I'm trying to... Rem- like Still I'm, trying. I'm just trying to imagine, like, opening up this thing and, like, finding, like, the real teeth and just being told later on that, like, oh, yeah, there's real teeth. It's fine. What was the red stuff? Was it like real blood? No, I don't believe so. I would hope not. Dude, today at work and the money I deal with from all my different accounts, I pulled some money out of a bill receiver and I found a $5 bill that had a bloody like thumbprint on it. I literally just took the $5 and threw it away. (laughs) And I I told my supervisor, I'm like, I'll get you five bucks for that. But I ain't fucking touching or dealing with that bloody $5 bill that's now been in my machine. Yeah, that's a little fucked up. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. God damn. Thank mm-hmm. God we don't live in the AIDS pandemic. Oh, fucking God. You wouldn't need tested. Who knows? I might need tested right now. So the infamous final scene was shot in the infamous Griggs House, a 200-year-old building located in Patapesco Valley State Park in Maryland. Unfortunately, after film release, the state declared the building to be destroyed. And and it's a bit shitty, honestly. Funds were raised to save it. But the state and the state released like an announcement saying, you know, we're going to save it. But they went ahead and destroyed it later oh, on with, without an announcement. Oh, them assholes. So like after the film released, people, of course, went to visit the house and broke into it and stole artif- artifacts and all that stuff. Well, yeah, there's nothing in the house. It was completely barren. Yeah. So or, they, I mean, they were well, pretty much just taking pieces of the house. I'm about to say, at least for the movie, it was barren. I don't know if they took anything out of it. Yeah. But it was just, yeah, abandoned in the woods. Why would they have to get rid of it like that? Man, that's sad. Vandals, unfortunately, and ruined what, a lot of things. And what was that house? Like not necessarily the name, but like what was it for? Was it just a residential house, or was I think it so. I think it was just like an old, old, old house that old school or something. Essentially, I think it was just like a house. It it looks like just a house. Yeah, but uh, okay, okay, just a historic house. Um, and I also did read somewhere that him, the band. Oh yeah, yeah. I, he had a uh, music video that he filmed in front of the house. Man, I am so fucking jealous. Right, I am so jealous because I would have done that. Hell, for my, well, my band that used to be, I wanted to record at least record a piece of music in the um the bunkers for uh, that's associated with Mothman. Oh yeah, the acoustics in there are a bit much, but I think it'd be so cool. I wonder how you would go about getting permission for that. Oh, I bet you wouldn't even need it. I mean, you can just walk into them. I bet if I just walked into it with a guitar and then just played, it'd be fine. Yeah, be honest, maybe. But man, that bugs me that that house is gone now. I really like that. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, vandals ruin a lot of things. Yeah, if, unf- if you're one of these people that like to explore abandoned places, that's okay. Just don't fucking tear it up and destroy it. Like, don't be an asshole. And speaking of him, my little excerpt here, I'm going to throw in now from my life with the band him. Never cared for him. Never listened to him really. Went to a concert, the Rock Allegiance concert, which was Volbeat, which is from. Uh, God, I can't even fucking remember their Dutch or whatever it is. Him from America and then two others like Airborne from Australia and something else. And him went on right before Volbeat. And, of course, their music is a lot different than Airborne, which sounds like an ACDC incarnate. Yeah. And uh, Volbeat, of course, sounds just like a more rock and roll Elvis. But, uh, yeah, they got done with like their third song and the guy's like, look, we're not Volbeat. <laughs> and, I, and I swear, like... The, the arena was packed, but I swear at least three quarters of them just kind of shushed. But I gladly was like, ha! Of course you did. I did. I couldn't I help it. I know you. And it's not so much towards the band. You know, they, they do their music. They have their fans. That's fine. It's what you're supposed to do. But I was just like, I really don't know why you're on this tour. You really just do not fit, to be honest. But clearly, people were not liking them. And he's like, we're not fucking Moby. I'm like, oh, this guy's a whiny little baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> so what are we here for? Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, eight days after it began, filming would conclude on October 30th, the day before Halloween. Oh, shit! This is when the Blair Witch Project's legacy truly would begin. This movie had one of the craziest marketing ploys I've seen for a film, and I really wish I was old enough to remember, like, remember and understand all of it that went on. Because, goddamn, learning about them, like, everything they did for this, fucking insane. Yep, there's one 
There's one piece that makes me just like my eyes widen and I'm like, oh my God, that's so fucking cool. So to kind of give you an idea and make us feel really old for a second. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Blair Witch is one of the first films widely promoted using the internet. And you've got to oh, remember, fuck. late 90s, this was very early days of the internet. Dude, until like seven years ago, I saw it dial up. Oh, God, dial up. Uh, oh, God, how pissed the, off I would be to get on there and all. Yeah. <laughs> the early days of dubstep. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my dad takes a call, and I'm like, no! <laughs> uh, now I got to beat off to my thoughts. I'm just going to ignore everything you say. Just keep going. <laughs> Fuck you. Please. I'm not even going to acknowledge your existence right now. Uh, this is going to turn to a snuff podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just going to hear it. <laughs> ASMR murderer. (laughs) Say it harder. In 1998, a year before the film officially was screened, a website for the movie was made. This site featured everything from fake police reports, interviews from actors playing investigators talking about the case, and fielding questions about the missing filmmakers. In June, some of this footage was shown at the Florida Film Festival with the directors actually handing out missing person flyers. Oh my god, that's incredible. And of course, these included the actors' names and pictures to add to the sense of realism. This combined with the site itself sparked deep debates online, leading many to believe that this is indeed a real documentary. This marketing ploy even went as far as IMDb listing the actors as missing, presumed dead, the first year the movie had been released. Which I I fucking love. Okay, I thought they put them as deceased. I thought they labeled them as deceased. Well, they did the missing, presumed dead, which... Um, a lot of people, uh, usually when that happens, it pretty much means deceased. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the coolest thing that IMDb put them as missing, presumed dead. It was so like believable. People were actually sending like Heather's mom, like sympathy cards. Oh my God. <laughs> and to the point, uh, I think it was like a police officer from like New York or New Jersey or somewhere contacted the director saying that he wanted to help with the investigation and they had him in like. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Uh, it's not real. This is just for a marketing ploy. Which I'm oh my sure. God. Could you imagine? Which I'm her- sure the police officer is like, uh huh. Sure. Now I'm. Now you're fucking suspect number one. I imagine. I imagine her mother sitting there with like curlers in her hair, bathrobe, sitting on like the fucking I don't know recliner, watching The Price Is Right. And all of a sudden, the little like the mail slot in the door, shing, little mail comes in. She picks it up. And she's like smoking she, with one hand cigarette, the other hand she horribly opens the envelope and sees that it's some you know sympathy card, and she's like. <laughs> Dumb cunt. <laughs> Heather! Another! <laughs> I would love that so much. I hope Heather had, like, kept them all. That would be awesome. They would definitely be, like, a really nice memento. Oh, God. I, I, that's that's how I imagine it. The best way possible, might I add. Yeah, and uh, so they had one of the greatest marketing schemes for this type of film. Yeah, um, and you have to think this came out like the website came out an entire year before the movie even screened. Yeah, and and still so many people hate it. Mm-hmm. Why do you think so many people hate this film? I I don't know. People are weird and fucking judge anything that has any kind of sense of actual thought and intelligence put into it, and they want to watch the fucking a hundredth Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, and it's not terribly hard to figure out, but anyone out there that's seen this movie and they're like, yeah, I, I just don't like it, like especially the ending, for example. Uh, in case you missed it, one of the people in the very beginning were talking about uh, the killer that roamed that area. I forget his name. Do you remember his name by chance? Rustin Parr. Rustin Parr was the killer. Rustin yeah. Parr was the killer. Okay, I couldn't remember which name you said you uh, 
you said that was uh, for the killer. But Rustin Parr was this killer, and he would kill you know kids, and he would take them down to the basement. And he would have one of them face the wall while he killed the other because he didn't like anyone watching his work. And then he would turn around and then kill the other kid that was facing the wall. And you would see like handprints all over the wall. That's yep. exactly what that house is. Yep. Because I know a lot of people that, that don't make that connection. And sure, you just might not. But that was the house of Rustin Parr. Those are the handprints of the dead children. The yep. dead children you heard in the movie. And at the very, very, very end, when she goes downstairs and you see Michael facing the wall, then she dies. And then Michael is presumably di- is killed afterwards. Yep. Just so people are aware. Oh, so yeah, the whole they, movie makes sense. It makes it a really full does. Cir- it makes a full circle. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how people don't like it. I mean, well, I guess I oh I understand why like it the style of film isn't for everybody, but it's just there's so much to this movie that like you have to at least have some kind of like sense to like admire it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some admiration for it. Man, I, I love the movie. I love found footage. It's such a fun like it's such a fun uh genre or subgenre I should call it, but it's also one of those where it's super easy to fuck up. Yeah, yeah. Because you you have to already start with why are they recording all the time? No, and I actually think that this movie in particular does a good way of presenting that at the very beginning. They really do. Um, and I mean, I like. Uh, there's another one. Excuse me. There's another monster version that I really like. It's like one of my favorite uh, Bigfoot. I like Bigfoot found footage films. Exist. Yep. Yeah. Exist is God. good. They and, and they nailed it. You know, the reason like, you know, they their recording is, you know, we have to try to capture this footage so that we have proof and all this shit. Um and it's just stuff like that. Like they like you said, they nailed the whole reason as to, you know, why we need to keep filming. And exists, you see the creature. Many times. How about that? Yep. Man, when it's on the porch, that's creepy. Oh, yeah. But, okay, so to everyone out there that's listening as well, if you if you had an interest in this stuff, and I don't mean like what me and Josh are doing, you know, watching movies. If you had an interest in The Blair Witch, okay, and you were like, you know what, I kind of want to do, I kind of want to get some other friends of mine together, and I want to grab some camera equipment, some mics, and go out there and look for it. I mean, how else would you think a movie like that would start? Exactly. If you were to watch someone else have the exact same idea you had, yet you're going to dog on them for, you know, oh my God, the movie just begins with them in their apartment and they're getting their equipment ready because it's like, oh my God, no, so touche. It's like, what the, I, I don't understand the, the uh, I don't know, the backlash on that. Yeah. So I mentioned at the beginning that the film was uh, premiered at Sundance Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Is that the opposite of Rain Dance? Is that what I did earlier? The Sun Dance? Yeah. Look how sunny it is now. Yeah, I know. That fucking baby from Teletubbies is up there just smiling at me, mocking me. After the movie premiered at Sundance Film Festival in January of 1999, Artisan gained the rights to the film for distribution. The directors mainly hoped for the movie to be shown on cable TV. They never thought the, their film would take a form in like a wide national uh, theater release. Yeah, I wonder if the Sundance channel was out at that time. I actually don't know. And if it ever uh, was put up on that channel to, to be watched. So after Sundance, it was shown at the Angelica Film Center in New York City on July 14th and then later hit theaters throughout the U.S. on July 30th. Okay, okay. The VHS and DVD release would hit the store shelves October 22nd, 1999, almost two years after they originally began filming. Which is a pretty good turnaround, honestly, for 
a film to be. Well, so yeah, it hit theaters July of 99, right? Yep. And then it hit, uh, you know, VHS, you know, home video and whatnot in October. Yep. I feel like that's pretty good for a VHS. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, shit. Like, well, not to mention, I was also talking about, like, it's a pretty good turnaround from like, okay, we started this movie now. And then two years later, it's getting released home video. A lo- like a lot of people don't realize a lot of the movies that we see today, they've been in production for like three, four years. Oh yeah. Avatar too, man. We're never going to see that movie. <laughs> oh, we will see, we I, will finally see that movie when I grow another foot. I think, Paul. Oh, I was about to say, <laughs> okay. Um, no, I think it's coming out next year. Avatar two. I will believe it when I see it. I think it's, it's not like the shape of water, but it's like, I don't know. The You mean dances with wolves too? What in the fuck are you talking about? The first Avatar movie is complete ripoff of Dances with Wolves. I will no, die on that a, hill. It's a complete ripoff of what we did when we came to America and killed the Indians. That too. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout the entire nationwide theater run, according to the box office records, the Blair Witch Project made $248.6 million. Take that against a mere budget of 60000 that it took to make the film. This meant that for every $1 spent making The Blair Witch, $10,931 was made. Man, I am so horny now. think of that. Every dollar they spent making The Blair Witch movie, they made $10,931 back. It's fucking insane. Wow. This gained a Guinness Book of World Records spot for top budget box office ration. And I mean, that's pretty fucking impressive. Fuck yeah, it is impressive. It was also the 10th highest grossing film of 1999. The 10th highest? Yep. Dude, there's a lot of things, a lot of benchmarks this fucking movie has made. And it goes completely- still get shit on. It goes completely unnoticed. It clearly does. The reception for this film were all around pretty positive from the film critics and moviegoers alike. There were a few audience members that were made sick by the shaky cam footage due to the motion sickness, which tends to be pretty common in most found footage films, like I talked about earlier. Oh, saints! Right. This didn't stop many movie review sites to state that this film was a must-see and was universally praised for its unique style. Of course, not all were fans of the film. For example, the New York Observer deemed it overrated. Fuck you, uh, New York No, by everything you've literally said in the past hour... I think this movie deserves a, a a bit more of a praise. Right. Like, I don't even see how it's overrated. Like, it's fucking kind of unique. Just a little unique. Uh, no, by what I'm hearing from everyone else, I don't think it's overrated at all. It's hardly even just rated. Right. So, the film made its television premiere on the FX channel on October of 2001, which also helped the legacy of the film be shown to an even wider audience because, oh of course, not everyone's going to go to a movie theater. Yeah. Oh my God. FX was around back then. Oh, well, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I actually remember the first time, like, seeing part of this film. Like, I, I walked uh, into my parents' room and they were watching it. And I was kind of like watching it. And I was like, I remember even first thinking, like, I was like, this is a weird, like, home video. What am I watching? Well, yeah. I mean, I remember being a lot younger, of course younger and seeing this movie whether it was a trailer or just a little snippet and thinking actually unsettled from that i'm like whoa like a like a like a first person movie and i'm yeah. like what the fuck's going on in there i mean yeah it was, it was kind of creepy overall there is no denying that the legacy of the blair witch project will continue on even if the sequels and games weren't all that well received mm-hmm the film continues to make its way on the filmmakers and movie sites' top list of films. I, for one, recommend watching this as at least once in your life, just to experience it. Yeah, you should. Listen to this podcast. No, watch it, 
listen to this podcast, watch it again. And I mean, you have to think too, like this movie also influenced a ton of other movies and filmmakers. So I definitely suggest checking it out just the one time. So what game are you talking about when you say the Blair Witch? I'm not the one that was released last year. Yeah, the Blair Witch. Okay. I I actually remember watching the E3 um like release trailer for mm-hmm. that. And I remember watching it and just going like, oh, okay, cool. And there was a scene where like you see somebody in the corner and I made the joke. I was like, oh, okay, Blair Witch. <laughs> and all of a sudden like the camera pans out of like and you see like this uh scene of like a giant woods and you see the iconic like stick figure symbol, and I was like Oh, all right, it is a Blair Witch game. All right, cool. nice, nice, man. You but called it. They do use uh, utilize really well the whole use of like video cameras in it to, um, like, you will find cameras and like you will zoom like in and out of like time, like fast forward, rewind, and if you stop like during a certain segment, like say like there's a scene where like there's like a ball on the ground, and if you um, fast forward the uh, ball disappears, but, like, if you go back in time, the ball's there. It's it's kind of, like, weird elements like that. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's like a first-person, right, psychological yep. horror game, and I'm all for those, so I'm oh, going to yeah. check that out. It's like I think it's definitely worth a play, and if you guys have, um, and like, if you're, it might be on, like, the Sony store, but I know on Microsoft, uh, it's on Game Pass, so if you have Game Pass, you can play download it for free. It's probably on Steam, too, wouldn't it be? I believe so. Yeah. So yeah, while the may, the witch may not be real in the realm of reality, her terror will live on. Ooh. Oh my god, I'm so fucking scared. And that is our deep dive into the Blair Witch Project. That's it. Yep, that's it. Well, dude, I fucking love that. That was a fascinating trip. Yeah, there's like I said, there's so much that went into this film, and it's so like, what other movie do you know where? The directors just let the actors pretty much do whatever they want, and they guided them to their destination by GPS. I literally can't think of any off the top of my head. I can't either. I'm sure there's some that have done it, but not to my knowledge, the extent that Blair Witch did. Yeah. So yeah, um, was there anything that you watched that you still questioned that maybe I didn't cover? Um. Okay. Uh, is there anything with Michael and the map besides him? Getting rid of it. Was there anything special about that at all? I I, I think pretty much they t- um when he got the film canister for uh like that day, like I didn't find anything like in uh, that said specifically, but I'm sure it told him like you know just either hide the map or actually just toss the map in the river. I'm sure they told him just to fuck with people. Okay. Okay. Uh, no. Besides, really, that because that was the only real um, pivotal. Point. I do. I do love that scene though. Where he's just like, I fucking threw it in the water. <laughs> Everyone else goes silent. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, please tell me you're joking. Yeah, because at that point, you could tell they've pretty much just completely lost it. And I will say one thing I did forget to mention. Um, to add to like the animosity towards each other and like just make them feel a little bit more cranky. Each day, they gave him less and less food. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, were did they do that with the cigarettes? Because I know at some point, uh, Josh didn't have any cigarettes. Yeah, he's I believe like, so. He's like, are, are, are you kidding? We don't have any cigarettes? I'm like, ooh, shit. Okay. Yeah, imagine having to go cold turkey while you're lost in the woods. <laughs> and starving. Yeah. Scared. Fuck all of that. Now, I will say yeah. another thing I do really want to talk about is that monologue that Heather gives 
one of the greatest quotes in horror I think I've ever heard. And not to mention, like, the snot, the tears. Yep. All authentic. It it looks great. Her fucking, uh, you know, saying she's sorry for the actors and their parents and all that. Like, goddamn. As she's staring through the weeds at the cat, the, the director at a Denny's sitting there <laughs> eating. And she's just like, oh, I could use some of that. Right. I, I want to say I heard somewhere that it wasn't supposed to be zoomed in like it was. Like. Um, in her panic, she accidentally like hit the zoom button, but they loved it so much and they kept it. And honestly, I think that made oh, yeah. it even better. That that literally adds realism to it. I mean, it uh, was famous enough to wind up on most of the covers. <laughs> yep, man. Like it, it. Like I said, it's one of those movies I highly suggest just checking it out at least once, just to understand it and to experience it. Oh, yeah. Because I think if you're a horror fan, it's definitely one of those that you need to just to have the experience. It's a must see. It is a a must see. It it was a gateway to many more. I like, I honestly, I put it up there with, um, like, at least as far as like must sees, like, you know, films like The Exorcist and Mm -hmm. shit like that. Like, it's just, it's such a big staple in the horror community. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, friend. Yeah. So before we go, if you guys, um, would like to follow us and be up to date with things that are going on over here at the Dissector's Cut. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at the Dissector's Cut. You can check us out on Twitter at TDC Pod Official. And, of course, if you want to send us emails of movies to watch or maybe, I don't know, we can explain certain scenes or lore, something, anything movie, horror movie, sci-fi, adventure, yeah. mystery, suspense, whatever. You know, if you have any questions on that, send it our way at the Dissectors Cut Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. And um, I will try to, like, for the Instagram, I'm going to try to find more, like, behind-the-scenes photos to post because I think that would be really cool to see. I think that's a fabulous idea. Now, so what do you think's the next movie we're going to sit down and watch and then dissect, Josh? So yeah, the next thing I want to do, I have this really cool idea planned out. And it's already it's something that has always been kind of passionate to me. And if you know me, you know that I love classic horror. And I'm very excited to announce that we will be doing a deep dive into the Universal Monsters. Oh, what does that uh, detail? We will be talking pretty much about, and this will actually be our first, like, quote-unquote series, too, which I'm super fucking excited about. So we're going to be going down through the movie's releases, like, the the release years. So we're going to be starting where it all began with the Fan of the Opera, the 1925 silent film version. Of so Lon that will Chaney. be the very next one we do in this series. Yep. The fa- Phantom of the Opera. will be the first one we do in the series, but the next episode. Yeah, yeah. So after Fan of the Opera, we'll be talking about Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein, The Wolfman, and then The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Ooh. We're going to be like, we're mostly like, obviously there's other like sequels and shit out there, but we're both basically focusing on the main, like the main movies that came out that really set what everything really apart. started the creature yeah. features. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and like the OGs, know, man, the yeah, horror OGs. And that's one of the reasons why I want to do a deep dive into those, because if it wasn't for them, you know, horror would not be where it is today. No, no, I think you're exactly correct. And there's so much really, like so many like really cool little tidbits out there about those films that I just, I'm so excited to share with the, the world. 
Man, I can't wait to hear him. Cause I'm like them. I don't. I don't really know what the hell's going on. I just sit in this chair three feet from you, and you just. I don't know. You speak sometimes, yell at me, and I just kind of <laughs> take it with yeah. a smile on my face, like the bitch you are, like the bitch I am. <laughs> All right, and with that, as I said earlier, I will bid you adieu. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>